0: You are listening to The Airing Cupboard, the podcast where the extraordinary stories of ordinary people get an airing. Phew, that's a mouthful. Hello and welcome back into The Airing Cupboard. I hope that you are all keeping well wherever you are. Thank you for the messages that you have sent me over the last two weeks. The airing cupboard has recently celebrated its first birthday, and so I must really thank you for trusting me with your stories and for making me stop and wonder about the magic of the mundane and the beauty of normality, if such thing exists. So yes. Thank you for your stories, and of course, thank you for lending me your precious little ears. Right, story time. So this one was given to me at the beginning of this winter, but only in its outlines. As usual, the protagonist thought it wasn't worth telling. So I hope she will forgive me for the detailing of places, people, names and emotions born out of my imagination, for the sake of storytelling. This is the story of Maureen, but we will call her Mo. It takes place in a small town in the north of England. Mo is 63. She lives in a street where every house is almost identical, terraced, arranged in an uninterrupted row of bricks, and slate roofs. One of those streets that maybe used to look a little tired, but now looks tidy and well cared for. Just the window frames and the front doors give each place its own identity. And most front door is red, a deep red. Her husband Sid and herself had taken time to find the right tone They had never realized that red comes in so many different nuances. But what they wanted was the post office red. Her husband had worked as a postman all his life, and the post office was really like a family. So when it came to choosing a new color to repaint the door, it had been an easy choice. Sid had labored for hours, over a few weekends, to strip sand, repair and repaint the door, working through the years and layers and layers of paint, the colors, as many untold stories of the family that had lived there before them. Moore had worked on the brass handle and letterbox cover and on supplying him with endless cups of strong tea. And he would stop, put his tool down and gulp the tea down, then he would wipe his mouth with the back of his hand and smile broadly to the door and to Mo, proud of his effort as if he had just been running a marathon or fighting with a lion. And one September evening, they had both delighted in the end result, standing arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, in the middle of the little street admiring the revamped front door, shining its mighty red gloss and brassy tones in the evening light. Perched on a chimney, the blackbird was drawing his songs across the ordered roofs. Sid had been complaining about pains in his abdomen for a while, and he had typically brushed it off shrugging his shoulder at the mention of a visit to the doctors. But on that September evening, the night of the red door, her husband had collapsed on the bathroom floor. A week later, he was diagnosed, cancer advanced and a universe collapsed. She had met him when she was 20. It was a friend of a friend and first she had had no interest in him. But Sid had fallen in love and he wasn't going to take no for an answer. And so he had quietly worked at winning her heart. And his effort had paid off as a year later they were married. And seven months later, oops, their daughter arrived. There were complications at the birth. And Mo had been told that she wasn't to have any more children. So life had been just the three of them. And Sid had been the best of husbands, loyal and loving, her best friend. He was resourceful and able and always had a solution to everything. She had felt secured in his presence, protected. And also he had been the very best of fathers working hard for his little family, coming home in the afternoon after a long round, tired but always cheerful, his large laugh filling up the little terrace house, and taking on extra work to help their daughter during her college years. Mo now regrets the chemotherapy he underwent. He didn't really want to go through with it, and she had pushed him. But, it had only made him weaker so much so that after a while he didn't come home anymore. He died in hospital on a June night, Mo and their daughter at his side. He was only 56. Cancer had had the better of him. For the very first time in their life together he had found no solution. And at the end of that long, harrowing night, when Mo arrived back at the house with her daughter in the early hours of the morning, the front door welcomed her with its crimson hues, shining ostensibly in the soft light. It whispered to her silently of all she had had and all she had just been robbed of, and she hated it. An odious red. And life resumed for more, a different kind of life. Her daughter had moved out years before her husband's death, and now lived quite a way away in southern England. And so she had to learn to live alone. Her weeks were organized, between her voluntary work in a charity shop and listening to the children read at the local primary school, church on Sundays, phone calls with her daughter. She was always busy. She walked every day to buy groceries. She loved crosswords and houseplants. She often had friends popping in for tea and a natter. And of course, there were the occasional trip down south to see her daughter. But her loneliness never left her. For all the years that followed. It was always there. She just learned to live with it. She she tamed it. Like if with an old roommate. That one doesn't choose. But eventually becomes quite accustomed to. And now strangely comfortable with. Her loneliness had become an old friend. And that is when the new neighbours moved in on a grey September morning. On the day of the move, Mo had observed from behind a net curtain the coming and going of an old car crammed with the new tenants' possessions. Three girls. Quite young, really. Maybe students. From where she was observing, Mo found them all incredibly colourful. Bright woolly jumpers, white pink trousers and long orange skirts. One girl even had a lime green turban wrapped around her head and the other had pink hair. They were laughing and chattering happily as they were bringing boxes, mattresses and sofa into the front door. And the vivacity that of the closing, as much as that of their mood contrasted with the gloom of that September day. And Mo had a funny feeling as she observed them all morning. It could have been fear or annoyance to discover that her new neighbors were young and might be noisy, friends in and out and music and parties, but that was not what she felt. She couldn't really put her name on it, but it was probably a lot closer to curiosity and even excitement. Two days later, as she was getting ready to leave for one of her days volunteering at the charity shop, she heard a knock on the door. She opened it and standing on the doorstep was one of the young neighbors the one with the pink hair. She was wearing some sort of turquoise skirt or weather trousers, it was really hard to tell and an oversized, colourful, woolen jumper. It looked hand-knitted with wool of all sorts of different colours and textures. Her hair was definitely very pink and her smile, bright white. Everything about her was vibrant. Even her nails were painted bright green. She introduced herself. She explained she and her friend had just moved next door. They were second-year students at the town university, and she asked if she could possibly borrow a tin opener. In the madness of their move, they hadn't been able to locate it yet. Mo gave it to her and told her to pop it into the letterbox when finished. The girl thanked her, smiled, and. As she was about to disappear, she turned back and she said, By the way, I love your scarf. And she went, leaving behind her, in Moore's little corridor, a lot more than just the patchouli scent she was wearing. All that vibrant energy. The little entrance hall suddenly seemed a lot more cheerful. She looked at herself in the mirror. It was true, this scarf suited her, and she smiled, ready for her day. From that point, the pink haired girl became a frequent visitor, and a friend really. The other girls also popped in from time to time, but it was the pink one that had a special place in her heart. She was positive and bright. Her energy was contagious. She would get more to speak about her life, her story, her husband, her daughter living away. And more had explained to her how she had met her husband. And the illness. She had even explained the red door. And the loneliness. And the girl had listened intently. Her eyes shining or welling up a bit with empathy and real interest. She would quiz more about her dreams and expectations, which part of the country she might want to discover, what new skills she would like to learn. She would bring back flyers for Italian classes and art groups. She would speak of salsa dancing lessons and online dating websites. One thing at a time. Mo had thought. The girl would never take no for an answer. She was always thinking of a new idea and would push Mo to try herself at all sorts of new things with a constant, come on Mo. She had even got her to buy a smartphone and an iPad and to do online shopping. And one morning, Mo found herself waiting for her very first online grocery delivery. The pink girl was there, waiting with her for confidence boost, she had said. And at ten o'clock, the van parked in front of the house. There was a knock on the front door. More opened. The girl right behind her. But the man was already busying himself with the piling of the crates, back at the van. And then he came back, carrying them all and above the crates, a generous smiling face framed by white hair and white beard. And in his brown eyes, behind blue rim glasses, a twinkle. He kindly brought everything into the kitchen and as they emptied the crates, the man chatted. He had been retired for a while, but he felt he needed to do something, be active in the community. And he had started a job as a delivery man for the local supermarket. And the income was useful. When Maud told him that it was courageous to start working again after retirement, he replied he would have needed a lot more courage to stay home and face the empty house every hour of the day. As he spoke, his tone was cheerful, but the twinkle had gone out of his brown eyes. And across the kitchen, Mo and the delivery man looked at each other, as if there was a tacit understanding of each other's life. And then he smiled, a big smile, in his beard, and the twinkle was back. And he winked, he winked, and Mo smiled, was she blushing a bit? Behind the kitchen table, the pink haired girl, with a tin of syruped fruits in her hand, was looking at them both, immobile, her face now in awe, as if she had just witnessed something beautiful and had thought, Yet of a new ID, Mo became a regular at online shopping. The following week she was ready and waiting for the delivery van. Between 10 and 12, said the website. She checked herself in the mirror. She was wearing that scarf, the one the pink girl had said suited her. And the van came. But the delivery man, although very charming, was not the same gentleman as the previous week. The same thing happened the week after, and the week after that. And that time, as the van left, Mo sat down, her groceries spread around her. She felt an absurd and dumb feeling in her chest, heavy, something that felt a little like Discomfort and sadness. Her old friend, the loneliness, she was starting to fall out with. Something had to change. That night, when the pink-haired girl arrived in a colorful whirlwind, Mo asked her about online dating. The girl got excited. She had already researched it a million times, she said. She knew of a fantastic senior dating platform. She picked up Mo's iPad and they sat at the kitchen table next to each other, going through registration. And then they browsed the different profiles. All these hopeful gentlemen looking for love or friendship or companionship. And they laughed and commented as they swiped through the photographs on the website. And suddenly, the pink girl grabbed Mo's forearm. They both looked closer at the screen, looked at each other in amazement, and burst out laughing. There, on the screen of the iPad, was the delivery man, smiling in his white beard, a twinkle in the brown of his eyes. A year later, on a warm Sunday night in May, Mo and a pink-haired girl are standing arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, in the middle of the little terraced street admiring their work. In front of them, Moe's revamped front door is shining of its blue gloss and brassy tones in the evening light. It is a soft blue, a sea blue, one that whispers silently of new beginnings. More story. Now I am sure that like me, you now want to know what happened with the delivery man. Well, that will just have to hang in the air. We can just imagine. But on the other hand, I know that Mo and the pink girl, although not neighbors anymore, they are still firm friends today. If you have enjoyed this story, please take some time to review The Erring Cupboard on Apple Podcasts and leave me a message on The Erring cupboard Instagram, Facebook or Twitter page and please share it. Have a good two weeks and until we meet again in The Erring Cupboard, goodbye.